somebody all right me. <laughs> Welcome to NostalgiaCast, your weekly roundup of the best and most up-to-date nostalgic news, where we discuss the stories and give our thoughts. I am your host, who becomes nostalgic for the episodes Tyler is on the most, Andrew Price. And Dad Beats, a.k.a. Stalingrad Beats, a.k.a. Brad Beats. Ooh. These don't even make sense. No, it's AKA fine. Kirk Pinchon. Dad Beats. Yay. What is that? I'm a bigger Star Wars fan than you. <laughs> no, you're not. Look at this glass I'm holding up. You don't even know what that is. It's Star Wars. <laughs> That's all I know. Star Wars glass. You got, got that from your sale. wife. On sale? Mm. Yeah, it True was like Star a, Wars fans pay full price. True Star Wars fans ask to pay more. <laughs> they, so they see what it costs and they go, they haggle up. Yes. They're like, this is bullshit. I need to pay 20% above market value. Exactly. Exactly, Kirk. Do you know what this is? Like, can you name this? What oh, is I, this? I have no idea what that is. Oh, wow. Hmm. Be nice <laughs> if you had a fan in the uh, family. Mm. Okay, it's fine. No, no, no. That's good. So basically what you're saying is we are equals in our Star Wars knowledge. No, I just don't. I I don't think that that is a... What is that? I don't, I don't even know what that is. I don't is. know. You it don't is, know what it I is. Know what it, my wife says it's a Star Wars glass. I mean, it, that's nothing... That is not recognizably Star Wars anything to me. Oh. It's, well, it's, like, a a, okay. it's like a capsule looking thing with a little... With a little circle in the middle, like a wheel. Yeah. I don't know what that is. I've Hardcore never seen Star that before Wars in my fans life. No. I don't know if that's if, Star Wars or not. I think I think somebody's pranking you, Kirk. <laughs> my wife is pranking me. <laughs> what? When if I press the button in the middle of the glass and Tyler appears? <gasps> yes. Mars technology. Goes, yes. And he's like, I'm your father, Andrew. I'm his That's father. That's from Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> See? Uh, yeah. How's it going? It's good, man. How it's is good. it going? Every day just keeps getting better and better in America. Keep on rocking in a free world. Bam, bam, bam. Yep. How about you? It's going all right. I like how we do this, but like we didn't just talk less than 24 hours ago. You know. You know. It's part of the magic it's, that is it's a podcast. For, yeah, it's, it's, for, it's for the fans. Because the fans want to know how we are. The fans want to know. Man, they want to know what that, what that shirt or cloth that's draped over the chair in the background is. What is that, Kirk? They, they that need- is- Inquiring uh, minds cloth, need to know. We use we use cloth napkins in our household, oh. so as not to uh, environment. We go green, so we use cloth napkins. My wife tried to use cloth napkins for a couple months, and she gave up on that quick. Well, in her defense, you've got like little ones. Yeah, 
So napkins are tough on them. I mean, my kids are teenagers. If they can't fucking figure out napkins, then they shouldn't be in our home. The laundry was piling up. Yeah. Yeah. But we go green. Go green or go home. That's right, man. don't go home because the home is going to be destroyed. What? The environment. The earth. Oh. Oh, that's right. The earth is our home. (laughs) You you forgot because you're on Mars. I did. What are you talking about? That's right. We have have zero gas emissions on, on Mars. You know what it is? This is Star Wars on Mars. This glass. <laughs> That's a, it's a. There's a. There's a different special Star Wars. If yeah. I lived on. If I lived on Mars, I'd see that and go, "Oh, Star Wars." Yeah, you'd be like, "Oh shit, man, that's a great glass." But it's my fault because you're on Earth. You don't know. You don't get yeah. it. So that's my fault. Me a culpa. I don't. I don't have access to Star Wars two. Yeah. But not Star Wars Episode two. Like at a franchise level, Star Wars 2. Oh, yeah. It's a whole, it's like an alternative universe. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so getting into these stories. True stories. Yes, they are all true, except for sometimes when they're rumors and they might not be true. But we delegate those to. Yes. Can you go for that? So. The fanboys are seething today. The the 80s heads are, oh. are are steaming in their boots, angrily typing on the internet. Grr. Many many a many a Hollywood has run out of, out of ideas has been typed on the internet's because they're officially doing a remake of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with Will Smith and Kevin Hart. <laughs> Will Smith and Kevin Hart are packing their bags. Hart confirmed Deadline's original report of the high-profile pair on Instagram. I've been patiently waiting for the right project to team up with my brother with. Hmm. We found it and are developing it together with our teams. This will be huge for us and the city of brotherly love, a.k.a. Philadelphia. Let's go. So, yeah. Will Smith playing the, the, the Steve Martin part. Yeah. Kevin Hart. We're assuming, right? Yeah. Well, how, how else could it be? Kevin hey. Hart's playing the John Candy part. And I got to say. Yes. I'm not on board with the whole automatically hating everything because it's a remake and complaining about it and saying, oh, Hollywood is running out of ideas. But I will say, I do not buy Kevin Hart in the John Candy role. Hmm. Because he's too, like, out. Well, hang on, because he's too charming? Yeah. Well, I get what they're going to do with it. I get, yeah. what, I get what they're going to do with it. Instead of him being the John Candy version which is this like lonely, loser, pathetic, sad sack. They're going to turn him into like a put upon, you know, the, the, the part that Kevin Hart plays in every movie, which is like, I'm a short guy and everyone picks on me. I get- I'm, I'm going to respectfully tell you to go fuck yourself. What? I, th- I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. That's the respectfully. What do you you mean? What? Okay. Let me unpack. Give me a second. So, 
first of all, I love planes, trains, and automobiles. I'm a kid of the 80s. I, I grew up with that movie. I went to see it in a movie theater. I went, it, it holds a place very dear in my heart because it's officially the first movie I ever saw by myself. Like I specifically went there, like it was around Thanksgiving, all my friends were busy. I had nothing to do. I was like, well, shit, I'm just going to go to this movie by myself. And that's like the best movie to go to to alone. To, to move it along. You got you got kidnapped and you grew up with a different family. Yeah. Things changed. It was great. Yeah. My life just improved by then. It's a great movie. I'm fine with this casting. I'm fine with the rebooting. It's fine. There's nothing wrong. It, this movie was going to be rebooted anyway. Let's cut the shit. This was Ooh, always a thing. Rebooted. I like yeah. it. Fancy. It was always going to happen. Always. So Kevin Hart and Will Smith, that's a that's a great pairing. Now, to get to your point, I don't I think it's going to be they're gonna keep true to it. They're gonna have all the feels, and um he's gonna play that John Candy role with that big surprise. Spoiler alert that his wife is dead and he's been traveling around a salesman for for years or a year. They're gonna keep all that. And it's going to be more that Kevin Hart is going to be the guy who's overly friendly and overly charming because he's compensating for the loss of his wife. So it's him trying to connect or husband. Extra. Hashtag twenty twenty. Yep. Thank you. That's true. How? What are the percentages? Percentages you think that will happen? Zero percent because <laughs> Kevin Hart is like openly homophobic. <laughs> yeah, but it, it would that would be great. That would be great. Um, so it's going to be that. So they're going to keep all that. I don't think they're going to change it drastically. They're I just going to deep be... fake their faces onto the original movie. <laughs> well, that would be special. Here's my thing. How it's technologically, they're going to, if they're updating it, they have cell phones. They can get around. Yeah. Like the whole point of it is in like the 80s. You, you couldn't, it was harder to get around. If things were booked, you couldn't get flights. There was no Uber or Lyft. There was no cell phones. It was all pay phones. So if you're updating it, it's like, oh, we're stuck here. Wait, let me get an Uber. Okay, we got an Uber. It'll cost extra, but we'll be fine. End of movie. Yeah. Yeah, they, they're really going to have to figure that out. They're going to they're gonna have to do some, some uh, logistical gymnastics to yes. justify this movie even existing. Yes, it's, it's like very a, true. It's like it's every hard. every horror movie where in the first twenty minutes they got to figure out some convoluted reason why they don't have cell phones. Exactly. Yeah, they're gonna have to like, oh my god, my cell phone broke. Which by then you just go, well, I'm gonna go buy another cell phone. Yeah. That that's my concern about this movie. But uh, I mean, are you? I'm assuming you're a fan of the original and you're fine with this. They're they're both both characters will coincidentally have that thing from better call saul where his brother was a, a, allergic to electricity <laughs> they're both allergic to electricity yeah um yeah yes. I mean, i'm i'm fine with it i mean i don't i don't no. care i don't really care for kevin hart as a as a comedian um i don't like i don't really like any movies that he's ever done really but uh god i'm trying to think of a movie i saw his the one with the uh, the rock was good yeah <laughs> Um, okay. but, uh, but, but I'm here for it. Sure. 
he's half the man that Eddie Murphy was. Well, in more ways than one. Hurtful, uh, but not untrue. Um, yeah, I mean, but other than that, I'm fine with it. Like, yeah. th- that's the thing is, like, even if it sucks, it doesn't, it doesn't, ha- it doesn't change anything about the original movie. Like, who cares? Like, don't, don't watch it. Don't go and see it. And the people, exactly. who, and the people who complain and say like Hollywood's run out of ideas and all, and like blah 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 blah. They the reason why they keep remaking things is because that is what people go see. People mm-hmm. just refuse to acknowledge the audience's role in these things continuing to be made. Like they wouldn't make them if they didn't make money. That that it makes no sense. There's no there's no logical reason why a business, which is what the film industry is, would just keep making something that the client or the customer, which is what the audience is, doesn't want or doesn't want to pay for. They, I'm not saying that everything they make is great. Obviously, they make a ton of terrible shit. Yeah. Um, and and their, their attempt at making things and their attempt at executing ideas is often very bad and by virtue of the fact that the entertainment industry is a business and often things are cynically made with just dollar signs in mind the product itself is not good quality but in terms of just the existential concept of remaking or rebooting movies they wouldn't keep doing it if that's not what people were going to see and what they wanted to see or at least what they portrayed that they wanted to see with their wallets um we are complicit so if you want if you want old movies to stop being remade and rebooted then i guess everybody stop going and paying for them i guess yeah um or just you don't go see it and who cares just ignore it (laughs) yeah um i i have no i have no uh i don't i have no um default uh, objection to reboots and remakes because they can be good or if they're not I just don't see them like any other movie that I have no interest in seeing like like it's the same thing as freaking out about how it's like it's like you know if you don't if you don't like uh, historical period dramas and I'm and, and like one of them like atonement was coming out like how come no one's on online being like why doesn't Hollywood stop making historical period dramas? Because I personally do not like them. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, and I'd, I'd just be interested for, for a variety of reasons. I'd be interested in seeing how they make it, how they execute it, because it's like the technology thing that you just mentioned, the fact that the sort of premise of the movie is a little impractical now because of all of the updated technology that, makes traveling like a million times easier than it used to be Mm -hmm. um also you know how the how those actors are going to portray those characters also how they how they approach some of the inherent like a lot of that not a lot of it a decent part of the comedy of that movie was the like sort of 80s gay panic like oh like two guys staying in a room together and that's like, the most like, famous scene like yeah, how are they the gonna how are yeah. they gonna tackle that how are they gonna do that for 2020 um and uh 
feel like there was another thing that I... Well, you're forgetting trains don't exist anymore. Oh, yeah. And then the fact that there's no trains. Uh, that, yeah, that's not a thing yeah, anymore. Yeah, the, the trains are extinct now. Yep. R.I.P. Um, <laughs> um, and, uh, oh, and also just like, how are they going to... Because that movie is like, it's very... It's very goofy. Uh, obviously, yes. it, gets, it gets like yes. it gets very serious, and and you know, especially in that that key scene, the the um, you know, I I like my you know, I my wife likes me, my friend, that that whole speech, like it, yeah. it gets serious, and it, you know, it's a John Hughes movie, so it's like it has that range, but it also gets very goofy, and you have stuff like literally the scene when they're when they're driving in the wrong direction on the on the highway or the freeway oh, yeah. and then like and then like there's there's like a um there's a shot where like it just it flashes and like the devil is sitting in the car with him yeah it's john candy is the devil um i, I like that it's terrifying um yeah like how, how do they are, do that? like how are they going to do that are they going to go for that same goofy tone or are they going to like tone that down and make it a little bit more like a Kevin Hart movie. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Let me, let me, before we move on, let me throw this at you. Are you more inclined to see it if they do switch the roles? Like they bad influence it where in bad influence with uh, James Spader and Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe played the bad guy. James Spader played the good guy. Yeah. When, if you do that here where Will Smith is the John Candy and Kevin Hart is Steve Martin. Yeah, I mean that that that'd be totally interesting. I I think I'd that'd definitely be, good. be interested in seeing how that plays yeah. out. I mean, it won't happen, but we'll see. Yeah, we can only hope. Um, from a from can a. I, lo- can I show Kirk my costume? Mm-hmm. Is your costume Play-Doh on your face? Is that the costume? I mean, you can't get more DIY than that. Oh, and it's Play-Doh teeth. Well done, E. Are you Green Lantern? Oh, oh he doesn't even know what he is. Oh. He's a maniac is what he is. Yeah, it's, that's fact. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a monster maniac. You are Perfect. Monster maniac. Then you've succeeded. Um... From, from a lighthearted story to a pretty dark and grim story. But as positive as a story like this can be, given the circumstances. So arrests have finally been made in the unsolved murder of Jam Master J from Run DMC. Two men have been indicted in the 2002 unsolved murder of Jan, Jam Master Day, Jay, the, the DJ for the rap group Run DMC. Federal prosecutors in New York City have announced. Jason Mizell, uh, which is Jam Master Jay's real name, uh, was murdered in Hollis, Queens on October 30th of 2002, shot at point-blank range with a 40 caliber handgun. The defendants allegedly carried out the cold-blooded murder of Jason Mizell, a brazen act that has finally caught up with them thanks to the dedicated detectives, agents, and prosecutors who never gave up on this case, stated acting United States Attorney Ducharme. The charges announced today begin, begin to provide a measure of justice to the family and friends of the victim and make clear that the rule of law will be upheld, whether that takes days, months, or decades. Um, oh, I, I, have a, I have a conspiracy theory 
that I just okay. that just just concocted in my head. Um, of course, you did. Uh, the 37 year old Jay was shot once in the head by a masked assailant. Police said at the time, he left behind a wife and three children. Um, NYPD chief and detectives uh, Rodney Harrison, a Queens native and self-described Run DMC fan, said this arrest was very important to me. Carl Jordan and Ronald Washington, both of Queens, have been charged with the murder of Jam Master Jay while engaged in cocaine trafficking. Trafficking, according to an indictment unsealed in the Ernest District or uh, Eastern Ernest Eastern District in New York, that also charged the two with drug offenses. Um, the murder of Jam Master Jay stemmed from a dispute over drug trafficking, according to the indictment. According to investigators, Mazel sought to exclude Washington from a large multi-state drug deal. In retaliation, Washington and Jordan conspired to murder and ultimately executed Mazel. Um, as alleged in court filings on October 30th, 2002, Mazel was present, present at his recording studio, 24-7 Studio, located on Merrick Boulevard in Jamaica, Queens. Washington and Jordan, armed with firearms, entered the studio at approximately 7.30 p.m. Um, Washington then, then allegedly pointed his firearm at an individual located inside the studio and demanded that the person lie on the floor. Jordan was said to have approached Mazel and pointed his firearm at him, firing two shots at close range, striking the victim once in the head and killing him. The second shot struck another individual in the leg. Um, and this, this is just more description of the crime. Um, but but yeah, so he was killed in this sort of like grisly execution style murder and literally in almost 20 years, um, they this was just an unsolved cold case and they they found the two guys that killed him. Um, and it's uh, crazy because yeah. it'd been so long that you just kind of go, well, that's never that's it's just going to be one of those things of who killed. Jam Master Jay. We'll never know. Yeah, but we but we did know. Um, we did, and I'm trying to unpack this. So they're saying that Jam Master Jay was involved in a big drug deal. Is that that feels like that is big news? Like I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like it's kind of glossed over in the article, but that was my same reaction where I was like, yeah. I was like, okay, okay, like we're, this article is about how these murderers have been caught and all this stuff. But it just glosses over like, wait a minute, what? Jam yeah. Master Jay was involved in a cocaine trafficking ring? Yeah, did we just bury the lead there? And he was like what? a he was like a kingpin of it. Yeah. And like telling people, hey, you can't be a part of this deal now. This is this is this that's like part of the saddest part. I'm like, wait, Jam Master Jay was like that's why it's it seems so glossed over that I'm like, wait, is that really what happened? Is that really true? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's insane. Yeah, he was. I mean, I don't. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm just missing something, or maybe I just didn't know enough about him at the time, or whatever. But I don't. I don't remember that ever being an established thing of like, oh, like Jam Master Jay was into drug trafficking. Never, never, or not that like he ever got busted for like, you know, having a personal stash or anything. I never heard anything like that ever. So I'm like, the, and the fact that he was like, they say he was distributing or planning this big cocaine deal. I, I'm kind of gobsmacked. Yeah, it is. It's it's real weird, and it it doesn't call it out at all in the in the article. It doesn't it doesn't spend any amount of time being like. Also, it's kind of hey, crazy that Jam Master Jay was a cocaine trafficker. Yeah, and we're just learning this now. 
I'm uh, Googling Jam Master J drug dealer. Okay, in 2002, Rolling Stone said that this, it was, a, it was about, it speculated that it was a music industry rivalry that could have led to the killing. This is 2002. I remember and that, that. It was over a financial dispute that had to do with music. I remember that. I remember there was conspiracy theories about who it was. And I feel like names were named of like rappers. Yeah. I can't see any of that, but it was basically in 2002 Rolling Stone reported that it's like, uh, Jam Master J sold the same unpublished song to do different, to do different recording artists and earned like a hundred thousand dollars and that the two artists were pissed off and they were going to have him killed. Wasn't that he was, he was selling that white dragon. Wow. And then it says again, 2002 Rolling Stone, uh, Jam Master J was reportedly to have owned $400,000 in back taxes and in debt to several different people. This just gets more and more sad. I didn't remember any of this. There were several reasons he could have been murdered. Oh, my God. Wow. I don't know what to think now. Yeah. Rob Liefeld says that he would rather Ryan Reynolds play Green Lantern again than Deadpool. The only reason... Who's Rob Liefeld again? He's the guy who created Deadpool. He's a oh, comic, he's the, oh. Yeah, he's a comic book artist, and okay. he uh, he created Deadpool. Okay. Uh, the only reason people are even still talking about Green Lantern almost a decade later is because the star of the movie can't seem to stop making fun of it. Ryan Reynolds has embraced the comic book adaptation status as a dud of colossal proportions and actively encourages people not to watch it, while both he and co-star Taika Waititi like to pretend they've never even heard of it. However... Green Lantern seems to have one unlikely fan in Rob Liefeld, creator of Reynolds' uh, much more well-received character Deadpool. Liefeld hasn't exactly been mincing his words when it comes to his opinions on how Marvel and Disney are going to handle the Merc with a mouth, and he recently revealed in an interview that he'd much rather see Reynolds reprise the role of Hal Jordan than Wade Wilson. Um, You know what I would love? You know what I would love? I would love for Ryan Reynolds to be Green Lantern again, more than him to do Deadpool 3. I would love to see him do that. Um... Can I ask you a question real quick yeah. before we dive in? Taika Waititi was in Green Lantern? Yeah, he was just like a minor character in it. Not a minor character, but he was like a, he was a supporting character in it. Oh, my God. I've tried to watch that movie over the years and can never. Not that I hate it. I can't figure it out. I mean, I don't understand it. It's notoriously terrible. It's like one of the one of the worst received superhero movies of all time. I mean, it's very hard. Like, it's not even like I watch and go, this sucks. I go, this sucks. And I, I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, is the is the Green Lantern story that complicated or they just fucked it up? I mean, I don't I don't, I don't know if this Green Lantern story is particularly complicated. Uh, there's a there's a there's like a legion of alien protectors called the Lanterns. And they all have these rings that give them this power to basically manifest anything from their imagination into like a real form. So there's all these different aliens and throughout the universe that have these powers and there are these lanterns, which is like this intergalactic police force, basically. And the ring, uh, the, the previous lantern falls to Earth. He dies. Hal Jordan, played by Ryan Reynolds, finds the ring. He becomes the Earth's Green Lantern. And he has to fight Sinestro, which is just a bad guy. 
um and the the ring basically like i said it lets it lets you basically create anything you can imagine as like from the ring it manifests itself as like a solid green light so you can make a hammer or you could make it, it can't have moving parts, so it can't be like a gun or something like that. But anything solid, you could create a building, you could create a hammer, you could create like a a dog. Like it wouldn't be alive, but it would, you know, you could create the form. You can make anything a physical solid piece of something. You can manifest it with the ring. Could I create a pie? Yeah, but you couldn't eat it. It would it would just it would just look like a pie. Okay. I'm gonna give you a, a hot take. Prove me wrong. Green Lantern as a superhero is fucking stupid and dumb and worthless of a character because that's all ridiculous. And the only reason that people like Green Lantern as a character is one, it's a very good name, and two, his uh, his costume is really cool. It looks good. I mean, <laughs> I definitely don't agree with you. I mean, that's a that's a that's a that's a that's a weak ass superpower. I have a ring that can create inanimate objects. I mean, it's 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 a superpower where you can literally create anything from your imagination and manifest it in real life. With caveats, you're hitting me with cobs. Actually, I don't even think that it. Actually, I mean, I'm not super well versed on Green Lantern, to be honest, and I might even be wrong about the whole moving parts thing see like look again even without ryan reynolds or with the the uniform of green lantern is way cool to master the ring you must learn to focus your will and create what you see in your mind this will explain the ring even though this movie sucks but you know the ring's limits are only what you can imagine do that again now you try Concentrate. The ring will inform you where there is an imminent threat. Well, this particular threat's name is Kilowog. He'll be a combat training officer. Yeah. Never let your guard down, Pooser. Michael Clark Duncan? Sounds like it. I like to call it the worst day of your worthless life. The human ain't never seen one before. You smell funny. I smell funny. Yeah, I heard about humans. Think you're the. Lesson. 
It's the gravitational pull of your average son. Make a sword. There's a gun. Yeah. Yeah. So you can you can make a gun. You can make something that okay. shoots projectiles. It's even dumber than I thought. <laughs> it's it's I mean because it's not the I mean it's it's not any dumber than I mean that's the thing like comic book characters are just they're all absurd. It, it, it's not any it's not any quote unquote dumber than any other comic character. That's just how they all are. I mean the most sure the is. most popular superhero in the entire world or arguably one of the two most popular superheroes in the entire world, either Batman or Spider-Man, is just, it's a guy that dresses like a bat. And then a guy who dresses like a spider and just swings around from webs. Like, that's that's absurd. That's absurd, but it's not based on a ring, where if you lose the ring, you're not a superhero anymore. So, what's the point? Say you were going out and you're like, oh shit, I forgot my ring. I think it's on the kitchen sink. You wouldn't forget the ring. Of course, everybody forgets their rings. Because your ring doesn't have magical powers. If you had your ring had magical powers, you would it would your entire life would revolve around where the ring was. Guaranteed. Hal's doing dishes, takes it off for a second to clean the pan, cleans he the pan. His ring like, stuck oh, in the let me go garbage watch disposal constantly. Yeah, and he's just now that's a superhero movie I'd see. Green Lantern keeps losing his ring. What the fuck? Totally would see that. Actually, there was there originally in the in the late nineties they were they were making a Green Lantern movie or they were going to make a Green Lantern movie uh, that ended up getting scrapped. But it was going to be like a comedic Green Lantern movie where it was going to be Jack Black playing a character who like. Hal Jordan is supposed to get the ring, but then like he doesn't get it. And then this other character who's just like a schlubby Jack Black character gets the ring. And then it's about it's about basically an idiot becoming the Green Lantern. So it's like a slapstick Jack yeah, Black late 90s comedy. <laughs> That's what you here's would a, see. Here's the thing too: chop off his hand. Boom. But, but he, Not a he uses the power to stop people from hurting him. Not if you sneak up on him. It warns you of imminent danger. Yeah, but he's not that developed yet. <laughs> you just, you have a specific hatred of the Green Lantern. I really do. And I think, I just don't get it. I, and, but yet again, I'm here for the, I'm here for the costume. I'm here for the name. Just the whole backstory and stuff. So how's that better? This, I feel like this director is trolling people. Oh, he definitely saying is. That, yeah. Cause, cause his his whole thing is he and I, and I think that we we've we've covered this story before we've covered Rob Liefeld talking shit or we covered the story of him saying that he doesn't think that Deadpool three will ever get made um, and I think that I think that his his attitude is largely unfounded like I don't think that anything he's saying is necessarily accurate but he just really hates that Disney owns Deadpool now. And he really thinks that they're going to screw it up and not allow it to be the like extreme hard R, no holds barred version of Deadpool that the first two movies were. And so because he has this opinion that Disney like 
Deadpool being owned by Disney is inherently bad and that they are going to mess up the movies. He just he's just on this campaign of just openly shit talking the entire thing, casting major cynicism towards the future of the franchise and now saying stuff like this. Like he just he just has this vendetta against it now. Huh? Well, he can go crying his money. I'm sure he does. <laughs> sure he does. Um, he could wipe his tears with hundreds. I mean, because I mean, honestly, like not many, actually not many comic artists do have a lot of money. Like that's typically the thing is like we just did on Deep Cuts. We just did an episode about Steve Ditko, which is the guy who created Spider-Man, who basically just died broke in his apartment by himself, even though he created a character that went on to become a multi-billion dollar franchise, but he never owned any of the rights to anything. So Rob Liefeld is actually one of the few comic artists that does have ownership of things. So he's actually one of the he's one of the few, few comic book artists that is genuinely stinking rich <laughs> because he owns rights of characters and things like yeah. that. So he's doing fine. <clears throat> um, So we covered this story last episode and there's been some more. Uh, there's been a, some new developments in it. Um, a new rumor claims that Avatar The Last Airbender's creators exited because they refused to cast white actors in the live action Netflix adaptation. Um, a new rumor uh, to, uh, claims to provide details on why uh, The Last Airbender creators um, Dante DiMartino and Brian, I forget how to pronounce it from the last time whenever I looked it up, Konitsko, Konitsko, um, uh, le left Netflix's live action adaptation of the animated series. Uh, DiMartino previously shared an open letter, which we read on last episode, where he was very he was very diplomatic. He was very much like mm -hmm. our vision, you know, it's parted ways with Netflix, but we hope we wish them the best and all this stuff. And, you know, very, very, very diplomatic, very PR positive, like we've amicably parted ways or whatever. Um, however, um, Konitsko issued a different statement later on that we um, didn't read, which is much more honest and less like, I'm just trying to play nice. Mm -hmm. um, and so he wrote, uh, when Netflix brought me on board to run this series alongside Mike two years ago, they made a very public promise to support our vision. Unfortunately, there was no follow through on that promise. Uh, though I got to work with some great individuals, both on both on Netflix's side and on our own small development team, the general handling of the projects created what I felt was a negative and unsupportive environment. To be clear, this was not a simple matter of us not getting our way. Mike and I are very collaborative people. We did not need all the ideas to come from us. As long as we felt those ideas were in line with the spirit and integrity of Avatar, we would have happily embraced them. However, we ultimately came to the belief that we would not be able to meaningfully guide the direction of the series. Um, so he had much more blunt, like they, there, there was a, this was a bad thing. Netflix didn't treat us properly type response. Ephraim, stop. Um, so on the heels of that, a rumor from Fandom Wire claims to provide further details as to why they left the project. Claiming to have gotten information from multiple sources inside Netflix and the upcoming Avatar The Last Airbender series, Fandom Wire notes that DiMartino and Konitsko wanted a bigger budget. Uh, filmmakers always want more money to properly build their vision, but Netflix felt it was already spending as much as they believed they needed to put off, pull off the series they wanted. 
They also detailed that DiMartino and Konietzko did not want to cast any white actors in the series, Phantom Wire claims. Netflix also wanted the ability to consider some white actors for the series. This was a non-starter for the creators who were insistent that not a single white actor be on the series. Um, we were told that casting decisions are still early on and that Netflix merely wanted the option to audition with an open net for all nationalities, uh, including white actors, but the creators refused. DiMartino and Konietzko had previously released a statement about the casting stating, we can't wait to realize Aang's world as cinematically as we always imagined it to be and with a culturally appropriate non-whitewashed cast. Phantom Wire goes on to claim that the biggest issue was the tone of the show. They detail... Netflix currently wants to age up Aang, Zuko, Katara, and Sokka. They also want to separate the live-action series from the animated one by creating a darker, mature tone with more romance, sex, and blood. Um, Konitsko and DiMartino reportedly disagreed with this vision and wanted the show to still be aimed at kids. So hmm. um, there's a lot going on. There. Yeah, there's a lot, I mean, the, the, basically, I mean, the 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 story is kind of framed with this white actor part but it's actually a part it's it's several it's it's one of a couple different reasons why they apparently left that is allegedly this rumor um from this from this source um now i totally buy the the white actor thing because number one like it said that was a public statement that they made they explicitly said you know we're this is going to be a non-whitewash cast the reason why they said that is because notoriously when they made the Avatar The Last Airbender movie in like the 2010s mm-hmm. that M. Night Shyamalan directed, that was like oh, yeah. notoriously a huge flop and everybody hated it. Um, ironically, considering that M. Night Shyamalan is Indian, um, he totally whitewashed the cast. Uh, which I guess, you know, maybe Studio Pressure, maybe M. Night Shyamalan, you know, was just kind of acting as a company man and doing what he was told yeah. um, for this big budget movie. But there are some there are some Asian and East Asian actors in the movie. But a lot of the key actors are all were all played by white kids. Um, and the thing about Avatar is in in the world of, of Avatar, uh, even though the show is created by two white guys, Every character in it is Asian. They're, you know, whether whether it's, you know, from whether they're uh, Chinese or Indian or they, they they all come from that continent. And it's kind of takes place in that area of the world, even though it's kind of a fictional fantasy world. So there are no white people in Avatar whatsoever, um, just by the nature of the geography of where the show takes place. But when they made the movie, they all the main characters are white and some of the side characters are Indian and Asian. Oh, of course. Um, so, and that was a huge criticism point of the movie. And that was even back in the, you know, the 2010s when people's uh, cockles weren't as warmed by, you know, whitewashing and movies and things like that. Uh, it would, it would be a huge, it would be a, a giant controversy now. So they were like, we are not doing that. That's not going to happen. So I totally buy that. The thing that kind of makes me a little suspicious of these rumors is this last part, whenever they say that they want to like age up the characters and add more romance, sex and blood. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't buy that at all. I don't think I, I think that Netflix would be insane 
to try to take this show that's like a huge massively popular show for like kids in the like 13 to like 18 range and try to make it this like adult like game of thrones version yeah because many not a lot of adults i'm sure there are but it's more of a kid's show and more adults would be like i don't know what this is yeah i mean plenty of adults like the show yeah but but it's not the primary target and i just i can't imagine them being like yeah let's take this and try to make it into like a game of thrones like adult show i just Mm -hmm. i i that would be so insane to me if that was the direction they were trying to take it in yeah i agree I do find it interesting how uh, through all this and whether it's true or not, who knows, but the whole idea of like Netflix saying, no, 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 no. We don't want uh, all white people in the show. We're just, we're just expanding. We just want to see, we just want to see who's out there. But you're like, well, no, the whole show, the whole creation of it is basically non-white. Yeah. So why are you why are you trying thing. to look for white people if the whole show and its origins are not? Yeah, that's the whole thing. It just makes no sense because yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the I get I would maybe get that that narrative or that story if um, if it was just a show that had no if it was just a a, a show that was being made that had no specific precedent for that. And, exactly. But the show is it just it, it there's just there are no white characters in the cartoon at all. Yeah. So to go, well, we're just we're just exploring. We're just just seeing what's out there. You're like, nah, you don't even need to see what's out there. Just keep it how it was. Yeah. It's weird. So I don't know. Mama. You, 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 you always you just wonder why, why these companies and these people do these things that are so clearly going to get backlash yeah it's like what are you thinking yeah like 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 this whole thing like if this is indeed true like netflix has already gotten in trouble a couple times for this whole thing like they made they made a a a live action death note movie which is an anime and they got Mm -hmm. they got backlash because they made like a white version of it where it's all white people instead of asian people and they got backlash from that i feel like there's been a couple other situations where they've gotten backlash for that Mm mm-hmm if this is indeed true, it's like, what are you doing? Like you, you, you know that this is going to get like, you know, you're going to get in trouble for this. So why are you even yeah. doing this? Just do it how it was and you won't get in trouble. Yeah. What's, what's the point? Yeah. And, th- and there's like, a, there's another story I was reading kind of unrelated, but you know, Netflix put out this show that it's about like, it's about like young, it's, it's about like girl, it, it's called like cuties or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's a reality show about like, I don't even know what it's about. It's about like young beauty pageant girls mm-hmm. or something. Um, and it's getting huge backlash right now because, you know, obviously a really hot button topic currently is like, you know, inappropriate sexualization of children yes um and so they put out this show where it's like a bunch of little girls like dancing and and it's like and it's like what did you expect to happen with this yeah read the room yeah it's like and it just boggles your mind it's like what are you thinking like how do you how do you not realize that you're gonna get 
backlash from this. Yeah. Take it's, a step back and it's just so weird. Yeah. Read the room. <laughs> um so uh last story before we take a quick break. Uh, I, I guess apparently this wasn't known before. I, I kind of I, I've been following this a little bit, but I guess I didn't realize that this was not yet confirmed one way or the other. But um, Lawrence Fishburne, at least for now, is not going to be returning to the Matrix Four. I don't buy this. Yeah, I mean, so I'll, I'll I'll get to my reason for why I agree with that. But mm-hmm. uh, so while a number of actors from the original Matrix trilogy, including Carrie Ann Moss, Jada Pinkett Smith, and of course, Keanu Reeves are reprising their roles for the upcoming Matrix sequel, Morpheus actor Lawrence Fishburne will not. Um, the reason for his absence in the Matrix 4, a fan, as fans are calling the entitled film, is simple. I have not been invited, Fishburne told New York Magazine when asked about the project, adding, maybe that will make me write another play. I wish them well. I hope it's great. Um, so number one, this tends to happen a lot. I think the last time it happened was, well, there's, there's two things that come to mind, maybe three. I'm I'm trying to remember the third one. The first one was when they were doing the Saved by the Bell remake or the reboot Mm -hmm. that we talked about a long time ago, episode one, um, before the apocalypse. Uh, and the whole thing was they were making this show, but. But um, Zach, um, Ma- what is his name? Mark. What's his face? Mark Paul Gosler. Yeah, Mark Paul Gosler. Uh, he was not in the show. And he basically said the same thing where he was like, they didn't ask me. They didn't invite me back. And then very quickly after that, whether it was a publicity stunt or whether the backlash from him not being cast led to conversations, he was cast in the show. And the next one that happened was they announced a Candyman reboot or remake or whatever. And Tony Todd, who played Candyman in the original movies, said the same thing. Nobody called me. I did not yeah, get we asked back. About that. Yeah. And then lo and behold, a couple weeks later or whatever, Tony Todd's in the movie. And once again, whether it was a publicity stunt or whether the backlash led to conversations, I don't know, but that's what happened. I think I feel like there was a third one that I cannot remember right now, but I definitely think we've talked about a third example of this. But either way, number one, this could very well just be a publicity stunt slash misdirect where he's going to obviously he's let's say hypothetically. He is in the Matrix Four. Morpheus died in the original Matrix movies. So, so to reveal that he's in the movies would be a spoiler that he somehow comes back from the dead or that for Mm -hmm. whatever reason he returns. Merely admitting that he's in the movie is a spoiler. So if he is in the movie, they would have to do something like this. Oh, and they would have to make it a surprise. It doesn't feel like it's going to be much of a surprise either way. Well, no, but I'm just saying, I'm just, if they were to just say, yeah, he's in it. Yeah. That takes a little bit of a, of the steam out of whatever story that they're trying to tell. Yeah. So I feel like if, if Lawrence, if Morpheus returns in the Matrix 4, they would have to hide it and pretend like he's not in the movie. So I can totally see this being just he's mm-hmm. lying and it's just a it's just a it's a lie and they're just yeah. hiding that he's in the movie 
But I even can, I can see that, but yeah, but even if he's not, once again, as it seems to happen every time, once this story gets out and once there's backlash, then it inevitably leads to the filmmakers being like, "Oh, well, okay, let's put him in then." Yeah. So I, he's he's gonna be in it. Yeah, he's, he's gonna be in it. A hundred percent. I uh, and it's not gonna be a surprise. People are like, "Oh, great, he's in it." Here's what I want to talk about, which makes me laugh. Uh, Fishburne, I have not been invited. Maybe that will make me write another play. So now it's weird because why would you say that? Now he is a playwright. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne has written a play years ago, like 20, 25 years ago, maybe even longer called Riff Raff. Um, it's actually a pretty good play. And I think they turned it into a movie like 10 or 15 years ago. But to me, that just struck out. I was like, so wait, maybe that will make me write another play? Yeah, that's a weird thing to say. <laughs> what is that? You're not, first of all, you're not a prolific playwright to begin with. Second of all, as we've established, theater is now a dead art. Yeah. Where are you going to perform it at, Larry? <laughs> that's right. Uh, but it just made me laugh. He's like, yeah. And now that I think about it, the fact that he's like, well, maybe that'll make me write another play makes me go, oh, yeah, he's doing a misdirect. Yeah. I think it's totally misdirect. Yeah. Totally. But that being said, I'd, I'd love another Lawrence Fishburne play. Riff Raff is very good. And on that note, now that we've, now that we've uh, mourned the death of an art form, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do our regular segment. Can you go for that? After these messages, we'll be right back. And we're back after so long. That was a long break we just took. I don't even remember what we we're talking about anymore. We're talking about on Mars, you get different Star Wars classes. <laughs> mm. Oh, God, no. And, uh, and now it's time for our regular segment where we talk about rumors and unsubstantiated nostalgic stories, or in the case of this particular installment, something slightly different. And that segment is called... Can you go for that? Can you go for that? Can you go? Can you go? Can you go? Can you go? Go! Can you go? For that. I'm matching my voguing movements to your style of oh, singing. Oh, it was great. I'm, I'm really like this. The, the listeners at home are missing out. Missing out, man. Missing on some high quality voguing. I mean, that, that could have solved everything. If everybody had seen that, if, if everybody in the world, you know, like that stupid Coke commercial where everyone joins mm -hmm. hands everybody in the world saw that at once it would just it would it would it would decimate the negative energy in the world it would neutralize <laughs> the air and everything yep. would become better and because it neutralizes the air corona's gone yep yep yep, mm -hmm. yep. voguing cures corona so That's science a couple slightly different things today for can you go for that i already know what your answer for this one's going to be and, it, and I'm already okay. mad about it because of how just I know it's going to go. But Okay, let's, let's talk about it before you judge my decision, sir. Let's go into it. Um, 
a Dunkaroos beer exists, and it's brewed with cookies and sprinkles to taste just like the nostalgic treat. The announcement of Dunkaroos returning to stores back in February nearly broke the internet. In fact, some might say that it caused a global pandemic and possibly the downfall and destruction of the United States economy and society. Wow. In May, when they were officially spotted on the shelves, people went wild. The hype for the nostalgic snack isn't over yet because now there's a brewery making a Dunkaroos flavored beer that only real 90s kids will love. Martin House Brewing Company in Fort Worth, Texas, created the peculiar, peculiar, peculiar concoction, but they carefully sourced their ingredients to make sure the beer tasted just like Dunkaroos. The 8% AB, ABV beverage, aptly named Dunkabrews, is brewed with cookies, vanilla cream, lactose, and sprinkles. Martin House Brewing Company that uh, confirms that each sip will taste like the cookie and frosting snack we know and love. The flavors have been replicated perfectly. It's a sweet cookie-filled brew that even has that frosting finish, like when you save all the cream for the last cookie. Um, they wrote in their Instagram caption announcing the new product. Dunkabrews was released four days ago as a taproom exclusive with a limit of one four-pack per customer. In just two days, Martin House Brewing officially sold out of the uh, specialty beer, but thankfully they already have plans to bring it back, on, back soon. Um, and before we get into the opinions uh one thing uh just for a little bit of backstory this martin house brewing company has been actually kind of going viral on the internet a couple times over the last couple months um because they've been doing a bunch of different types of weird beers like this that are tied to like nostalgic things they previously they created a warheads beer um that tasted like various flavors of warheads and they've done a couple other things like that so this is kind of just another in a list of these like 90s throwback flavored be like specialty beers that they've brewed um and then the second thing is uh i looked into actually trying to ship a couple of these to have them shipped to our house to try but uh they don't do shipping it's it's something exclusively like you can get it at the brewing company if you live in fort worth uh. texas and also they sold out but even if they didn't sell out they're, they're not doing shipping it's just it's <clears> just <throat> something available at their restaurant so i couldn't do that but that's what i wanted to do originally oh okay all right <laughs> well as the host and producer of the popular food podcast, Food Fight, which you can get anywhere you listen to podcasts, that's Food Fight. Check it out. I can The say, show has an exclamation point in the title, but don't add the exclamation point when you search for it, because for some reason that causes it to not come up. Oh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> oh, it's funny. I can go for that. What? Yeah, I can go for that. What? Yeah, I knew that was going to blow your mind. What? On paper, I should not like this. But let me hit you with some cobs. I feel like you're just being contrarian because no, I thought no. you were going to, because you're trying to go against what I thought you were going to do. Not at all. When uh, you sent me the outline and I, I looked it over, I just went, ah, oh, that's cool. Here's why. Okay. 
Hit me with the call. Hit the cops. Normally, I would be like, this is stupid. No one wants this. Fuck this. But first of all, Dunk a Bruise is a genius name. That's fucking genius. <laughs> I mean, come on. Just the name alone is great. Now, I didn't grow up on Dunkaroos, but I understand. I've had them. They're tasty. I understand the nostalgia behind it, so I'm down for that. It's got an 8% ABV. Most beers are at 5%, so that's going to get you fucked up. (laughs) So, so far, the reason why you can go for that is because you like the pun. Yep. And this beer can more effectively get you drunk than normal beers. Yes. And it's probably very overly sweet, but that is okay because there's a lot of ciders out there that are sweet. Wine coolers, which I grew up on, are sweet. So I get it. I get the appeal. I'm here for it. One more caveat. Warhead beer is dumb. That's a dumb idea. That's dumb? Like a, like a, like a, like a sour beer? Because the whole point of the beer, it's the whole point of the warhead is to be so sour that you can't take it and then it gets sweet. So you're either getting a very sour beer, which is meh, or you're getting a sour beer and then that goes away and you're getting just beer. That's so weird because not that I think that the warhead beer is a great idea or like I love that the sound of that, but it sounds much more normal to me of something that like wouldn't strike people as weird like us like it just a sour candy flavored beer as opposed to a beer that tastes like cookies and frosting and i totally never in a million years would i think that you would be on board with a dunkaroos beer and <laughs> off put by the warheads beer i contain multitudes i think that uh i think it works better with dunkaroos because you're having like you can, like I said, with a the cider, there's also uh, beer and cider combined. Those are drinks. It's called a, it's called a snake bite. Um, and also there's like beer floats where people put ice cream and beer and drink it like an ice cream float. So there is precedent that there's sweetness to it. Yeah. I am here for it. Listen to Food Fight, the podcast where you get your podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. and another thing this company did was they made a, a Dole Whip beer. That's probably good too. Yeah, that's this company's pretty pretty fucking genius. I had. A, I'm curious because you don't drink, so you were going to order these. I mean, I don't. I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't drink. I don't. I don't drink to the level of like I will not l- allow alcohol to pass through my lips. I've drank before. I just don't drink. We've I, been working together combined. Well, for like five years. I've never ever seen you have a lick of alcohol yeah i don't i don't opt to do it but uh in certain situations um but i was gonna actually i was gonna say on the dole whip beer um this one night i forget what we were doing we we ate at this place before we were going somewhere else maybe to a movie or something and uh it's this place in um burbank on on uh San Fernando Boulevard. That's it's called Story Tavern. Oh yeah, Story Tavern's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, they and, have a good selection of beer. And I ordered this pineapple cider, mm-hmm. and it was very good. 
Yeah. And I'm imagining did, it to be like that. I'm, I'm imagining yeah. it to taste like that. hundred percent. Did it get you sh- wasted? No. Cause you're, you're tough. Uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm a hundred percent, uh, here for it all. I think it's, I think it's a genius idea. I love it. Um, yeah, I, I can go for that too. I, I was immediately very curious as to what that could taste like. I was very curious to see what a beer that allegedly tastes accurately like Dunkaroos, what that experience or that sensation would be. And I looked into ordering them because I really just wanted to try them and be able to like sit here and actually review them on the, on the podcast. And I'm still curious. Um, it, it definitely piques my interest of like wanting to try it and see what it is. Cause it's it just, it's, it's very, the idea is very fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting if they start shipping it. Like yeah. if they start getting, if it gets really big a demand where they're like, we got to ship this. I'll look out for it. Maybe I'll, maybe we'll, yeah. maybe we'll review on a later episode. Hells yeah. Um, but I can go for that. Sounds yeah. very huh. interesting to me. Look at that. See? Um, and our, our second and last story, once again, breaking convention. Um, this is more of a, this isn't a rumor. This isn't an unsubstantiated story, but it's more of a visual. Can you go for that? So uh, Le- LeBron James has revealed new look at the Space Jam sequel. LeBron James and Warner Brothers Pictures have dropped a fiery new reveal for the upcoming Space Jam, A New Legacy, debuting at a first look at the official uniform James will wear while representing the Toon Squad in the sequel. A major upgrade from the uniform that Michael Jordan wore in the 1996 original film. This outfit features the traditional Looney Tunes vector logo uh, across the side and stretches onto the jersey and shorts instead of just the chest. So we're going to take a look at this right now. We want to give you all a sneak peek at our family member, our leader, Mr. LeBron James, in his very new uniform that he is wearing representing the Toon Squad that we'll be seeing in the movie. I hope you enjoy. So, Dad Beats. (laughs) AKA Kirk yeah. Pinchon, AKA Cleveland boy. Yeah. AKA three way chili spaghetti child. That's Cincinnati. AKA. That's not Cleveland. AKA Drew Carey's bitch. <laughs> there it is. That's true. The, the, the chili is not the Drew Carey is true. Um, yeah, I can go for that. I follow LeBron on uh, Instagram, so I saw this. He doesn't follow me back yet. Um, fingers crossed. But uh, I think it looks good. It's still like retro-y, so it looks – it's got that neon retro flair that I like, but it's different enough. Uh, I love LeBron James because he won us a championship. Uh, I'm here for the uniforms. Space Jam as a movie sucks. Are you done? Um. <laughs> yep. I can't oh. go for that. What? Because I have no interest in sports whatsoever. Uh-huh. And Space Jam is one of the most 
overrated move nostalgic movies of all time. I'm here to say it. I'm here to throw down this hot take. I've been riding this train for years. Space Jam is overrated. Yep. It's not good. 100%. I saw it in theaters relatively recently when they re-released it in theaters a couple years ago. It does not hold up, in my opinion, at all. No. It's literally no embellishment, a movie to sell stuff. Yeah. It's which, a movie invented by Nike. Which could be, I mean, there's plenty of movies that are like that, and I still like yeah. them. But I just, I do not, Space Jam is not good. So many people have such a fandom for Space Jam that are obsessed with it, that they talk about it all the time. Yeah. And it's just not good. It does not hold up. The, nope. the, the way that they, the way that they integrate the animation with a live action sucks. It's who frame Roger Rabbit is way better. And it was made years prior. Like the technology of what they did with who frame Roger Rabbit is a million times better than the way that they executed it in Space Jam. Michael Jordan is a terrible actor. Yep. Not he's not even remotely charming at all. Yep. It's just he sucks. Yeah. Absolutely. You have said it perfectly. You have destroyed that movie and everyone else's childhood. But I agree with you. It's garbage. It's a dumb movie. It's a it's a ridiculous the script doesn't even like we get it. It's a kids movie and you know we can have gaps of logic, but literally stuff in there just makes no sense. So much so that like the best part of the only good part of the movie is Bill Murray comes in and they're like, Bill, why are you here? And he's like, I'm a friend of the producers. They literally just, that's a line yeah. of dialogue of and why he's, he's just, in the he's movie. He's just there and just acts insane for, for a little yeah. bit and then leaves. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. Come at us, but we are right. That movie is crap. Maybe this one will be slightly better. Maybe. Well, I'll say one thing. Just judging off of, I think just the one thing, Trainwreck. Yeah. LeBron James is act. He's, he, I'm not going to say whether or not he's a good actor or not, but he's a million times better than Michael Jordan. Yeah. He's actually he's funny got, in that movie. Yeah. He's funny. He's got some charm. Uh, Jordan's just kind of wooden. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But I do. I'm here for the, I'm here for the uniform. I'm here for LeBron. Not here for the movie unless they prove me wrong in this uh, reboot. And that has been another edition of. Can you go for that? Can you go? Can you go? Can you go? Can you go? Can you go for that? Can you, can you, can you go for that? Nailed it again. Last story before we wrap things up. Um, honestly, I know I've said this before a couple other times. Um... This is one of the weirdest stories we've ever talked about on this show. <laughs> and it's not like we talked about the thing of Eddie Van Halen holding Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit at gunpoint. We talked about the freaking Blazing Saddles Samurai Dog movie. And those ones 
on their surface are weirder because they're just all the weird details of them. And this one's a lot more straightforward of a movie, but the specifics of it are just, it's a, it's a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, recently David Spade opened up about his, a fight that he had with Chris Farley on the set of Tommy boy. It has been 25 years since the release of Tommy Boy, one of the most beloved and quoted com- comedies of all time. Um, noted as being the originer, originer, the originator. Originer. Yeah. It, this movie is the originator of the misconception that Darth Vader, or that Darth Vader says, Luke, I am your father. Oh, yeah. That's right. This is where it came from. This is why people think that he says that. Yep. Because uh, that's the famous thing is that everyone says, Luke, I am your father. But mm-hmm. he doesn't say that. He says, no, I am your father. But that's true. It's because of this movie, because he's sitting in the office and he's talking into the fan. And then I think David Spade walks in <laughs> I mean, holding, holding up synergy. the Mars, the Mars Star Wars cup. Um, David Spade walks in or somebody walks in and he's talking to the fan and he goes, Luke, I am your father. And that's where this, that's where it came from. Yep. hundred percent. Um, uh, while director Peter Siegel reflected back on the movie earlier this year, David Spade chatted with Rob Lowe about their experience on it as well on Lowe's podcast. As Lowe tells it, he got the movie while playing tennis with Lorne Michaels after the success of Wayne's World. Uh, Lowe also shared that he went to dinner with Spade and Farley one night during the shoot. And Chris Farley ate two bone-in steaks. And on top of each bite, he put a full square of butter on each, every (laughs) single bite. Um, During the shooting of the film, there was also a huge blowout fight between Farley and Spade that Spade relays on the podcast. The famous Tommy Boy fight was actually about Rob Lowe. At the time, Farley and Spade were spending every minute of the day together, flying from SNL to the set of Tommy Boy in Toronto together on a private jet. They would spend the entire week flying back and forth between Toronto and New York. Unlike today, when a cast member like Pete Davidson can take off of a week to attend a fashion show or shoot a movie, we couldn't get off a full week of SNL on a movie that Lorne Michaels was producing, Spade said. Um, the travel work, the travel and work schedule was difficult. Spade was losing weight. Farley was gaining weight. He was eating all the time and we were all burned out. We were both dying. It's like an old married couple. We were fighting all the time. We were never apart. One night after leaving New York city for Toronto, they arrived around 1am for a 6am shoot. Farley said to Spade, I'm feeling sick. I think I have the flu or something. I'm going to go and crash. Meanwhile, Spade stayed up a little longer and called Rob Lowe. And they had one drink at the hotel bar. Uh, We don't tell Farley because of course we don't. We see him every day, Spade said. Um, The next day, Spade went to his room and Farley was already gone. When Spade got to the set, however, Farley started staring at him, biting his lip, which meant they were about to have a fight. That was his tell. And he looks at me, Spade said, and he asks, how was your night? How was Rob Lowe? Somehow... Farley had heard that Spade and Rob Lowe were hanging out the night before, and he got angry that he wasn't invited. How's Rob Lowe? Farley asked again. How's your precious fucking Rob Lowe? I don't know, Spade said to him. How was drinks last night? Farley countered. Oh, is that what you're getting at? Spade asked. It was fine. It was all right. So you call fucking Rob Lowe? So you have a little date with him, but you don't call me? Farley asked. The last word off the wire was that you were sick, Spade said. So you called Rob Lowe? 
This went on for a little while, and then uh, they returned to set. Farley was still furious with Spade, glaring at him. At some point, Spade was outside freezing and sitting on the ground, eating a tuna fish sandwich. Farley was standing over him. How's Rob Lowe? Farley repeated. When Spade didn't take the bait, he can't stand that it's not going anywhere. Farley came over and stood on Spade's hand, on his tuna sandwich, with his big boots, with all of his thousands of pounds. Then Spade threw a Diet Coke on Farley, and Farley in turn pushed Spade down a small set of stairs. When Spade got to the bottom, I stand up and say, are we in a fight? And the director says on the walkie-talkie, action! And Farley and I just stare at each other, and we turn and we walk in. When they get back on set, Spade couldn't bring himself to say his line, so he just walked off the set in a huff. And both he and Farley retreated to their respective trailers. Spade insisted that the set would be shut down for days because I'm not talking to that asshole forever. Meanwhile, Farley went out and literally tackled a crew member who was about his size because he had so much anger. He was so mad, he just went up and tackled him. The fight, of course, didn't last forever. Amends were eventually made, and Farley and Spade, of course, remained friends. Look, we had a blast, Spade said. All my, all my memories of Tommy Boy were fun. It was stressful. It was hard. You wish you could enjoy how much the movie will be remembered at the time, but Tommy Boy, I hear about more than any other movie. We had great seats for Farley, so I love it. I'm just glad to be a, a part of something. <laughs> I heard that podcast, too. You did? Yeah, I listened to the Rob Lowe You podcast. listen to literally? I do. Um, yeah, I ride hard for Rob Lowe. Um, But it's such a weird story, and the argument is so petty and ridiculous that you're like, "That's that's got to be true." <laughs> it's it's such a weird like little little kids fighting yeah. argument that you're like, "No one makes up that. No one." What the heck? Oh my god, E! What did you do? What are you? What did? What happened? What is this? Is this dirt? It's mud. Uh, please be mud. <laughs> please be mud. It's mud. Thank God. <laughs> wow, E. Way to go, E. Good job. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it's it's so petty and it's so like immature that you're like that had to happen because they were young guys back then. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the whole story, I mean, I even included the part where he was talking about how he ate like two full steaks with a pad of butter on every single bite, because just the whole story from top to bottom was just insane. Yeah. But the thing is, if you heard that about anyone else than uh, than uh, Chris Farley, you'd be like, that's not true. But you hear and it's it's Chris Farley. You're like, yeah, he did that. Yeah. He had to. Have. <laughs> he had to. Have. I mean, that's that's insanity. That actually reminds me of uh, this one time years ago, I was eating at Little Tony's, this restaurant in North Hollywood with my friends. Still got to go there. And um, we're sitting there and there's a guy uh, at a table a little bit away from us. And he's like, he's this morbidly obese guy. He's huge. And he's sitting in the table and he has got a full extra large pizza. He's by himself. He's got a full extra large pizza. He has a separate pasta dinner. And then he has a separate full like family size salad and he's eating all of this. And then the waitress eventually brings him a whole full separate pasta dinner. And he's sitting there eating this food while he's 
got headphones on and he's got an iPad and he's watching Rescue Me. <laughs> and, I didn't expect that. And we were just like, you know what? Like, if you're just going to like, if you just want to live the rest of your short life out in just total comfort, yep. like I'm going to die pretty quickly. But until then, I'm just going to live my best life. Yep. I'm this just is gonna, how I'm going to do it. Then that's like kudos to that guy. <laughs> that guy knew who he was, <laughs> knew what he liked. Yeah. And knew how to get to his pleasure zone. Yeah, like obviously, obviously, Chris Farley was a little bit of a self-destructive guy. Obviously, he kind of. Ephraim, give me a second. We're almost done. Can we? Give me two minutes. Okay, I'll come let you in. I'll come turn it on. Just one second. Uh, obviously Chris Farley was a little bit of a self-destructive guy. Obviously he didn't care. He had no, he had no, uh, desire to live healthy or any of these things. He openly courted, um, the whole like better to burn out than fade away mentality. Um, and yeah, he was living his best life. He was like, I'm probably going to die soon. I don't care. I'm going to eat a pat of butter on every bite of steak. And I'm going to love it. Yep. Yeah, but I also love too that even the fact that he was it's a little immature and he's mad about being kind of left out, that's endearing. The fact that he's like, oh, you went out with Rob Lowe, you like cool guys, you fucking <laughs> left me in the dust. The fact that his feelings were hurt, I'm like, that's even more endearing. Yeah. It's just it's 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 an insanely fascinating and an entertaining story. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, so that's it. On that note. Uh, if you if you like what you're hearing and you haven't done so yet, feel free to subscribe to the show. If you have a friend you think might like the show, you feel free to rec- recommend it to them. Um, you can you can text each other about the uh, latest nostalgia cast hot goss. Um, if you uh, if you want to keep up to date with the podcast or any of the nostalgic content we post on a daily basis, or just you know find out where in the world Tyler's van is at any given time, <laughs> you can join. You can follow our Facebook page or our uh, Facebook group, the official Nostalgia Facebook page. Just search Nostalgia, and that's us with a blue check mark next to our name. Or you can join our Facebook group, which is also just searching Nostalgia in groups. You can follow us on Instagram at Nostalgia. Um, if you want to, uh, if you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns that you might want to have read on the air, you can email us, um, nostalgiacastpod at gmail.com. And, you know, what are your thoughts on Space Jam? Do you agree that it's the most overrated nostalgic movie ever? Or do you disagree and think that we have, we're Philistines that have terrible taste? (laughs) Email us at nostalgiacastpod at gmail.com and let us know. And we will read your reviews of Space Jam. Um yeah other, otherwise stay stay safe stay healthy and thank you for listening